You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey! We got a little day game baseball going on, some Giants A's, right? And uh, some very special guests. I'd like to take just a minute to thank Hilton Hotels, who sponsored this event, and Triples Alley at AT&T Park, and as part of the celebration of, oh, look at this guy, just walking right in. 60 years of Giants baseball in San Francisco. It's the anniversary, and the Giants are rolling out all kinds of fun stuff for the fans and paying tribute to the 1989 World Series Giants team. So we have a special treat for you. This is your pitcher panel. You got Dave Dravecki, Don Robinson, Caveman, and Atlee Hamaker. And a flyby from Dusty Baker. A couple photo bombs from Will Clark. Will's going to be on our second panel. So we've got two panels today, so you're in for a treat because we're going to talk a little 1989 Giants baseball and have these fellas share some of their memories, stories. And uh, I love that they're such guys right now, Dave and Don, like having that seat in between them, like at the movies, right? We don't see, yeah, such guys. Um, so, gentlemen, if we could just start with Atley and work our way down... When I throw out 1989 Giants team, I know ballplayers don't really like to share a memory of themselves, but I'm going to ask you to. Your favorite memory, a personal memory from that season, and then your favorite memory of a teammate from that season. And Natalie, could we start with you? Well, I guess it's a great memory at any time you get to go to the World Series as a player because that's a rare thing. So the opportunity to do that with that team in 89 was uh, always be special. Uh, so also the comeback year for Dave Dravecki was probably a, an unbelievable memory. Yeah. So we had a lot of uh, neat things that happened to us that year. It was very special, and so glad to, I'm just happy to be back with these guys and get a chance to kind of talk about some old stories like we've been doing. Yeah, catch up. Catch what up about, a bit. What about you, caveman? <laughs> well, the starting pitcher in Game Three of the earthquake—that was yeah. That, that was, and the memory of, of him starting that game against Cincinnati. Uh, that was the only time in my whole career. I did not want to get in the game because I did not want to screw that game up for him. Yeah. I remember sitting in the bullpen and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, please put Bedrosian in because I don't want to pitch. Because I screw this up for him, they'll boo me all the way back to Florida. That's that that was a great memory that in '89. Yes, it was. How about you, Dave? Well, actually. The greatest memory I had in 1989 was um, August 15th in Montreal after I had broken my arm. Um, I was in my room after going to the hospital and 24 guys, my giants, they all stopped by to see how I was doing. Wow. And you know, there's an awful lot that we've experienced in the game. A lot of wonderful experiences. We were talking earlier. I was talking with Caveman earlier. I couldn't get the son of a gun out. I hated <laughs> pitching against him. So he was such a good hitter. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's, there's nothing like 
the friendships and the camaraderie that comes with being teammates. And that 1989 team was very special, um, you know, and so that's my greatest memory. Um, you know, my career came to an end, but I've held on to uh, the significance of the encouragement I received from those guys. And it was just a step in, how you doing, you okay? I'm doing fine, and then they'd go. But that's all I needed, and I was so grateful for that. So that was something that was very special. The other thing that, that for me was significant in 1989, obviously trying to come back and pitch, was the day that Atley and I went out to the outfield and we played long toss. And I'll never forget, I was struggling. I had just hit a wall. I didn't know whether or not I was even going to be able to keep pitching. And he looked at me, and he just said, you know, what have you got to lose? Let's just go out, play catch, and air it out. Just let it go. You know, it's either going to break or it's going to work. And so we got to find out sooner or later. And, and that was something that I needed to hear. I needed that encouragement to push through to get to the other side. And that day I went out, and there were a few pops in my arm. The doctors and the trainers said, hey, I think you might have broken some adhesions in there that were holding you back. And all of a sudden I got more freedom. And, and from that point forward, I was able to start preparing to make the comeback game. So, so that, in, that moment in particular was very special with him challenging me to work through it and push through it. So I'm very grateful for that, Atley. Atley, will you, will you expand on that from, from your perspective and, and what you saw in Dave and the perseverance and, and what it took for him to come back? I mean, it, it, you know, this was a life-changing moment when he came back and then when, when he broke his arm, and, and you were a big part of yeah. keeping him positive. Yeah, it was, a, it was an unbelievable story, uh, as we all know, but it, uh, it was a long beginning to, to it. Um, you know, he was, uh, as you know, he had that cancer, and he came back, and he, the, he, what he's referencing is all that rehab he took to get to that point. And he was, uh, like the doctors told him, he was ready to pitch. He'd done all the rehab, and if he was going to, now was the time. So that's why I didn't just tell him to go air it out just for the sake of airing it out, but it was on the advice that he was already good to go. He just had to see for himself. But um, anybody can come back from a cancer and that type of surgery he had to have his deltoids taken out, to be able to come back and pitch is amazing in itself. But then to have the success at the major league level, being able to do it at that level is unbelievable. Yeah. And then has, uh, then he, I think that year he ended up 2-0. He ended up undefeated. And then, he, then of course, he broke his arm against yeah. Montreal and that was the end of that. But uh, it just takes amazing courage and, and um, perseverance to be able to do what he did. And, 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 and since then, I don't think he ever changed the story for, for what, how God has used him now, yeah. what he's doing now today. So... Um, Great story, great inspirational story, but it continues to be told even today. People are still having to apply all over the place and talk yeah. about it. So, yeah. very inspirational. One of the things that's so cool about the 89 team is not just the success that the team had, but all of these inspirational side stories and that were interwoven within the season for you. Um, and, and one funny story that I heard about, I did do a little bit of research on you guys. Um, and Don, as Dave said, was a very good hitting pitcher. And I met, I met Don yesterday for the first time, and, and he wanted to see Madison Bumgarner hit. <laughs> and he was talking a little smack, I'm not going to lie. He was talking a little smack about Bum's average. 056? Uh, yeah. I never hit 056. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Uh, but Don, will you, uh, the, the rumor is that you used to count your home runs in BP, so... How many did you have? I'm sure you know. I lost count after a thousand. Uh, <laughs> I, I, quit, I quit counting. I had so many. Quit counting. 
But that is a, 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 almost a rarity now that, to have a good hitting pitcher, although the Giants have had a few pitchers who can rake. How important was that part of your game, to be able to participate offensively as well? Well, I, I knew going into the game that the other pitcher had to pitch the nine guys. I knew that. And the eighth guy, which was back when I usually pitched, was Jose Uribe. So he would get pitched to. Right, he would get pitched to if, if, I, if I batted behind him. Uh, but it would keep me in games. Uh, I'll tell you a story about the 87 team. Was, was uh, I hit the home run in San Diego, and I begged Roger Craig to let me hit. I said, listen, McCullers is going to throw me a slider, and if he throws me a slider, I'm going to hit it up in that third deck. I'm up in that, and I, I came in after him. He had pitched like five innings. And I came in, and I begged him on the bench. And Roger said, I, I can't do it. I said, well, Bob Lillis said, listen, let him hit. <laughs> and he got me 2-2, two, two, and I knew he was going to throw me a slider, and he, he hung a little bit and <laughs> hit a Tony Rose up in the seats. <laughs> but it was always fun to hit. You know, I pinch hit a, a, a quite a bit, but I knew that it would keep me in a game, and I knew that I had advantage on the other team because I could hit. Yeah. Atlee, um, I, was, I was watching an interview that you did. I'm not sure when it was, but um, I found it fascinating that you really didn't want to come to the Giants. You weren't ready to change teams after you started your career. You were real comfortable with the Royals, right? Yeah, and didn't want to leave. And then how did you feel once that changed for you and, and you embraced being a San Francisco Giant? Well, that's to go to show you that uh, God knows better because this is the best place I ever came to. But when I, I was the first-round pick of Kansas City, and I just got a chance to come up in 1982, and they were, were going to put me in the rotation the next year, and then I got traded the last day of spring to, to the Giants. And the reason I had tr struggled with it was when I got there, uh, Frank Robinson was the manager, and, and myself and Rene Martin were there, and he didn't know who we were. And I, he said, who we trade for? What do you guys do? I go, you got to be kidding me. So that's what, got me, that's what got me concerned is they didn't know I was even there, or at least the manager didn't, yeah. and didn't know what position we were. So I thought maybe I was better off in Kansas City. Yeah. But so, uh, as it turned out, it was just the best move of my yeah, career, for yeah. sure. Sometimes it's good to just fly under the radar, that's too. That's right. That's right. Um, Dave, the 87 team was kind of credited with turning this organization around, but the 89 team is, is considered the team that resurrected. Um, can you share a little bit about the fan base at that time and how they embraced you guys and kind of served as a 26th man on your run? Yeah, I think the, um, you know, obviously when you're playing a candlestick park um, and the weather's the way it is, um, there was a loyal fan base that literally endured, yes, you guys endured that weather and it was, I mean, when, we're, when, when you're going, you know, out to a ball game and you're in the bullpen and you're giving you parkas to wear, and these, are, these things are big enough you could be putting them on and going to Alaska in the middle of winter and feeling comfortable. And so you know that it's pretty tough. And so I, I think for me, when I came over in 1987, I didn't know what to expect. I was coming over from the Padres and we were known for drinking wine and eating quiche at ball games. Okay. Now I come over to the Giants, and I mean, you guys are diehard, orange and black. You love your Giants. You're faithful. You know, and, and there, was, there was a group of people. You know, the support there was absolutely amazing. And we ran into it. Craig Lefferts, Kevin Mitchell, and I. 
um, as a result of being a part of the organization. And in the second half, um, what we experienced was overwhelming. The support was so encouraging during that period of time. Um, you know, and, and you guys really set the stage for what was to come in 1989. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, uh, from Marge, who was at least was her favorite, um, number number 14. Remember Marge would sit at the at the at the door of the clubhouse walking in. Marge knew who Atley was. Yep, sweet yeah, she Marge. Did. Yep, and to to every fan that has had the opportunity to experience the San Francisco Giants way, um, it really is something special and unique, and it was just a privilege and an honor to be a part of that, Amy, um, and to experience it uh, for myself and and obviously with these incredible guys because uh, I think for all of us we would say you guys are the best and the most special fans in all of baseball. Very true, very true. We, uh, we are going to open it up to fan questions. I have one more player I'd like to ask all of you about, and he should be sitting right here, um, but he's doing some other duties, and he was part of your staff, and that's Mike Krupko. And obviously, I'm a little bit biased. I've worked with Mike for 10 years. He's one of my favorite people. Um, but when it comes to somebody who is loyal and is an absolute character and can make you laugh, Mike Krupko comes to mind. And I was hoping you could at least share your thoughts on Mike as a teammate. Well, he gave me the nickname Caveman. Of course he did. <laughs> Does not but surprise you know, me. The thing that happened was the Giants magazine, the one that I saw the bum gunners on this, uh, they came to me and wanted me to, because he gave me the nickname, they wanted me to dress up like a caveman. Yeah, no. And I said, there's no way I'm doing that. And Kruko kept getting on me in the clubhouse, getting on me, getting on me. So I went home, told my wife and my two boys about it, and actually they took me down to the ocean, put me in a cave, got dinosaurs, <laughs> got fog, and they, they gave me a big club, which I still have, still got the club, and, uh, and I did the magazine. That's awesome. And, and it's all because Kruko jumped me the whole time. Yeah, I wouldn't do, it. do it. Just, just do it. I think you should do it. And uh, I ended up and what was really good was the magazine sold out in two days. There you go. He's a marketing genius, that Mike Kruko. Ali, what do you what do you remember about Mike as a teammate? Oh gosh, a lot of things. He definitely had a sense of humor. He kept that clubhouse loose. Him and K Van both. Um, but I think one thing about his uh, character, as far as the pitcher, he was probably the toughest competitor. I mean, we said use that word a lot, but he was a competitor yeah. on the mound, and he was a leader in the clubhouse for sure. And he kept us loose. So, yeah he, yeah, he had a lot to do with us winning for sure. Yeah. He changed the culture. So, fond memories of Kruk. He got on me, too. So Yeah, he's, uh, he's tenacious. And you, too. For yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he got on me, too, man. I'll never forget being roasted by Kruko and Brenly. And they gave me a gift after roasting me. And it was a tie with donuts on it. <laughs> and the reason why I got the tie with donuts on it is because Kevin Mitchell, who you're here from shortly, nicknamed me Snacks. And so they knew that, and so that was one of their gifts after the roast. Um, you know, one thing I want to say real quick, Amy, about the fans. I, I forgot this, and I'm glad I remembered. October 5th, 1991, they had Dave Dravecki Day at the ballpark, and I will never forget that because thousands of fans came out lining the field around the infield with signs that were wishing us well, that were praying for us, that were just all about supporting Dave and his family. 
And I was overwhelmed by that. It was amazing. I have photos of that that I still keep and to remind me of how special you all are. Um, because that day um, was a very important day in relationship to our life because you got the opportunity to show us um, just how much you loved us. And that meant the world to Jan and I. So, you know, and then having Mike Kruko as a teammate, I would agree with these guys. Um, the one thing I remember about Mike that was really special was the day we got traded and came into the clubhouse. He looked at the three of us and said, you guys are the final pieces of the puzzle. And we're really glad to have you here. And I'll never forget that. Yeah, he, he makes you feel welcome. He did. He said that to you, too. He's got a few lines. That was him. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, we, the same thing Kruko told us, too. And <laughs> me and Russo came over. That's what he told us. So we have well, time. Well, I guess we all were, weren't we, Donnie? We have time for two fan questions before we need to let these guys go and get the next panel in. Any questions for the pitching panel? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Curious fans. Did we answer? Yes. What's your question? Did Three Don of them. Did, that was great. The fan I would have got more if I'd have been starting. The, if you didn't hear her question, she said, Did Don, didn't Don win a Silver Slugger Award? And he corrected her that it wasn't one. It was three. Yeah. And do we have one more question for our panel? You guys get everything answered? Right there. Yes. What was the furthest home run for you? What was the furthest home run for Don Robinson? <laughs> I would say that probably the one that I hit off of uh, McCullers in the 87 one. That was about 20 rows up in San Diego. and ended up over that big, tall wall. Yeah. That, that was probably, because I was more of a line drive guy than a guy that hit it like this. I was more of a line drive guy. But uh, that was probably the first one I hit. I, I hit a lot, of, a lot of long ones in BP. A thousand of them. And I appreciate, I appreciate how long you took making it look like you were actually thinking about it when you knew right away the one that you hit the longest. They know all their stats. Let's hear it for the pitching panel. Dave Dervecki, Don Robinson, Atlee Hammaker. Gentlemen, thank you. Stay here. We've got another panel coming in. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.